This is Conducting Business, WQXR's show about the classical music industry. I'm Naomi Lewin. Next week, this orchestra, the Los Angeles Philharmonic, will give a pair of concerts at Lincoln Center under its Venezuelan music director, Gustavo Dudamel. The visit comes at a time when Venezuelans are taking to the streets against their government with violent clashes between protesters and police. Dudamel has been under pressure to speak out about the situation, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But joining us first is another Venezuelan conductor who has built an international career. Carlos Iscaray was born in Venezuela and got his musical start in the famous program El Sistema. Iscaray went on to conduct the Mozarteum Caracas Chamber Orchestra. Today, he is based in Berlin. He joins us on the line now. You are organizing a concert for peace and liberty this Sunday in Berlin. What is the goal of that? All of Venezuelans who are living abroad or spending most of our time uh, in other countries, um, we are very much frustrated with what is happening currently in our country. We're looking at images of terrible violence, of students being shot in the street, indiscriminate violence, and kind of apologetic attitude by government forces. They're just, it's, there's a very clear political divide. And as a torture victim of the government, 10 years ago, I was detained by the National Guard in, in Caracas. So I, uh, I know very well the systematic treatment that people who are legally detained uh, go through. And the goal specifically is to speak out on behalf of all those people who are going through this, but more specifically, uh, even people who are related to us musicians personally. I know for a fact a friend of mine who is a member of El Sistema, she was, she's been there for decades now, she's a product of El Sistema, and also a member of one of its uh, most important orchestras. Her son was one of the student leaders who was detained in the city of Barquisimeto on February 12th. He was detained, beaten, tortured, and threatened by the national police. I also know for a fact that two other young musicians from Aragua State were also illegally detained. They were sent to one of the worst prisons, Alayon, and they spent. Uh, they were just recently released, uh, but of course, conditionally, they have to present themselves in front of a court uh, with some periodic, you know, every week or so, every couple of weeks. I don't know the specific details of that, but I do know that those two students uh, went through that. And there's uh, several cases of kidnapping. Someone, I'm, and I'm talking just musicians here. There was a moment that I felt uh, I was going through nights after nights of not being able to sleep, knowing what was going on. And I threw this, you know, out in the air, just this announcement. I said, I'm calling for a concert. I had no logistics. I had nothing prepared and no space, nothing. I just said, I'm going to do this concert for liberty and peace in Venezuela. And uh, anybody who wants to join me, it's great. You know, I'm also a cellist before I turned my career to conducting. I was first cello of the National Symphony Orchestra, the Venezuela Symphony Orchestra. And I decided I'm going to do this. If nobody shows up, I'm just going to play something. But I've got people coming from France, from the United Kingdom. And one of the people who is joining you is the pianist Gabriela Montero. Yeah, that is correct. We're very, we're very glad that she's joining us. Uh, obviously, she is a natural fit to this call because she's been uh, publicly denouncing a lot of the atrocities that have happened in, in our country for many years now. I mean, she's even composed 
uh, this concerto called Expatria, because, you know, we believe that there is a collapse of our democracy taking place. I mean, this, this is serious. This is not a process. It's a conclusion. Do you think your message will get through to Venezuela all the way from Berlin? I know that there is a big Venezuelan expat community there and that you there have had some protests against the Maduro government. Do you think your message is going to get through 6,000 miles away in Venezuela? I don't only think, I already know that it will, from the, the hundreds and hundreds of emails and, you know, and, and different calls and I've received already so many messages of uh, support from the Venezuelan community. Some of your fellow Venezuelans have chosen not to take a stand on the current situation, including Gustavo Dudamel, who has said he's an artist and not a politician. What is your response to that? My response to that, I I really cannot speculate on somebody's actions. Uh, I don't know Gustavo that well. As someone who has worked for a state-sponsored institution in Venezuela, I am pretty confident that a lot of this has to do with fear of, I don't know, losing support for the institution. I know this from from other colleagues who work in in smaller roles within the El Sistema and other artistic institutions that they have this fear that, you know, maybe they'll cut their funding, maybe many people will be fired. Do you think it's necessary that every artist should have an opinion about his or her government and voice it out loud? As far as liberties, I am pretty extremist in that sense. I really am against telling anybody what they have to do. I could say, though, that I am saddened if somebody does not just watches something and, and does nothing about it. As far as artists go, I think uh, we're, we're, we do have to defend each other. I think doctors help doctors. The press helps the press. And us artists, we have to help each other. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. The conductor, Carlos Iscaray, will be leading a concert for peace and liberty in Berlin this Sunday, March 16th. We invited Gustavo Dudamel to participate in today's discussion, but we were told he wasn't available. Some more perspective on this now from our other guests. On the phone is Mark Swed, the classical music critic of the Los Angeles Times. And with me here in the studio is Tricia Tunstall, the author of Changing Lives, Gustavo Dudamel, El Sistema, and the Transformative Power of Music. Tricia, you just heard what Carlos Iscaray had to say. What is your reaction? Well, first of all, I think all of us who are involved with Venezuelans and Venezuela in any way are feeling a great deal of the kind of anguish and pain that he's speaking about when looking at what at the suffering that's going on in Venezuela. I would say, though, that there are many ways for artists and for people in public service to work against authoritarianism, dictatorship, um, oppression, and social injustice. And as I see it, the way that Gustavo Dudamel has chosen is also the way that Jose Antonio Abreu, the founder of El Sistema, has chosen, which is to stay out of partisan politics, to remain resolutely nonpartisan, and to continue in the work that is their highest priority, which is to work with hundreds of thousands of Venezuelan children, giving them safe haven, giving them musical training, and giving them an environment where they can learn to be actually productive citizens. 
Mark, you're there on the ground in Los Angeles where Dudamel is the conductor of the Los Angeles, the music director of the Los Angeles Philharmonic. You talked to him right after he'd gotten back to L.A. from leading a high-profile concert in Venezuela on February 12th. That was the day three people died in anti-government protests there. What did Dudamel tell you about his involvement in that concert and that experience? Well, that concert took place on what was the 39th anniversary of the founding of El Sistema. It's a big day for them. It's also National Youth Day, and it's also a a day that celebrates a famous victory of independence. It was the 200th anniversary of that. And Dudamel was giving a concert in celebration of El Sistema in Caracas with a youth orchestra from his hometown, Bacisimeto, the orchestra with which Dudamel first began to play and, and, and grew up with. This concert was being held in their in the El Sistema headquarters, which is in downtown Caracas and is very close to where the demonstrations were going on, but was completely unconnected with it. And in fact, what happened was, Dudamel told me, he looked outside and he saw a lot of protesters and students, some lined up to get in, waiting to get into the concerts, others just on the street. And they didn't know that there was violence. They were busy rehearsing, and and they weren't looking at television or anything, but they saw students out there. And Dudamel just said, open the doors and let them in. It's safe in here, and used the system headquarters as a safe haven, in fact, and gave the concert which, like I say, was about El Sistema and nothing else, and it had been long scheduled. So that, that was his explanation of that day. Gabriela Montero criticized Gustavo Dudamel pretty harshly for his involvement in all of that. What do you say to that? I'm not in a position to defend Dudamel. I spoke with him about for about 45 minutes and got his side of it. But what I, I can say is that Dudamel is a key person, a central person in the functioning of El Sistema, which is a program that is entirely funded by the government at, I don't know what the what it is now, but it's well over $100 million a year. There were close to 600,000 students in it. The vast majority come from poverty, and this is helping not, not only those students, but their families. The way Dudamel describes his involvement is that this is what matters. This is where he sees the future of Venezuela. He is not looking at political parties. He's not looking at any current regime. He is looking way down the line. Tricia, you're very familiar with El Sistema. What's your reaction? I would agree with Mark in his assessment of what's going on in the Gustavo's picture. And I would also like to speak about Jose Antonio Abreu a minute, who is the founder and leader of El Sistema and who has been Gustavo's mentor, leader, and guide for the many years that he's been involved with El Sistema. And Maestro Abreu has shepherded El Sistema through many, many regime changes since uh, the Sistema was founded in 1975. He's gone through changes to more rightist regimes, more leftist regimes. 
And he has resolutely been nonpartisan throughout that process. Yes, they are funded by the government, but he does not identify the Sistema with any political program. And that is why El Sistema has been able to flourish, th- survive, and grow from 11 kids in 1975 to almost 600,000 kids in 2014. It has been absolutely a priority to take care and maintain that program for the well-being of the children and to keep it resolutely nonpartisan. So I think that... So uh, he's following I then in his mentor's following footsteps. following in Abreu's footsteps, which seems to me a very well-considered choice. Well, this does bring up the age-old question about the intersection of art and politics. People who say they should remain separate, people who say, no, if you're an artist, it is your obligation to take a stand. How do you... Th- each of you react to that? I understand the impulse to say artists should take a stand, artists should speak out. But I have to point out that Dudamel and Maestro Breu are more than artists. They are also, as Mark said, integral parts of El Sistema. They, behind them is an entire vast system of social education. So I think it's a little facile to say you should speak out regardless. I think the stakes are very much higher when you have an entire social program at risk. And I would add to that that Dudamel has spoken out in so much as he has said that he is absolutely opposed to the use of violence. And I think it doesn't require too much of a stretch to say that if the government is using violence, he's opposed to it. He's also opposed to if the protesters are using violence. But he has made that very clear, and he's said that very strongly. The other thing that needs to be considered is that we have no idea, really, just how Maestro Breo, Dudamel, and others in El Sistema are indeed functioning politically, which is to say, if they want to get anything done, if they really want to accomplish something, if they take a partisan stand, if they stand for one side or the other in a, in a very divided country, and in a very divided El Sistema, you have to realize that El Sistema reflects the country itself and that many of the members of it support the opposition, many of the members of it support the government. So they have to keep this together. But Abreu's way of working has always been on the inside. So that would extend to Dudamel's having met with the current president about plans for a Dudamel Hall in Caracas and conducting at the funeral of former President Hugo Chavez? The funeral was a national occasion. It would be the equivalent of the U.S. military band playing at a state funeral. It doesn't matter who the president is of the United States. The band is going to play uh, whatever they think of that president. And yes, he, I mean, he obviously has to have a connection with the government, but how he's using that connection is really anybody's guess. How is this playing in Los Angeles? I understand that a Venezuelan-American group held a vigil outside one L.A. Philharmonic concert. Are L.A. audiences chiming in on this? Do they think that Gustavo Dudamel should be taking a stand? Not that I have heard from. I have gotten a lot of mail um, particularly after I wrote about the interview with Dudamel, and it was mostly hate mail from a variety of organizations, many of them connected to um, the petroleum industry. The vigil at Walt Disney Concert Hall was entirely peaceful. It was a bit preposterous, and I think it didn't play well with the audience because there were signs that were associating 
Dudamel as being equivalent to Richard Strauss and the Nazis and that level of poor analogy and lack of historical knowledge, I think, was quite off-putting to the audience. But in general, it was a small, peaceful demonstration, and it came and went. Tricia, you still have contacts in Venezuela. What are they saying about all of this? The contacts that I have in Venezuela are mostly saying that they're worried, they're afraid for what's going to happen. They're trying to keep the program that they are devoted to working, and they're trying to create, continu- continue to create a safe haven in that program. I mean, remember, El Sistema is at the bottom, at the core, a program whose aim is to create a more just society. So it has a real civic mission. The way it does that is through bringing children together, often children who are excluded from artistic and cultural experience for in many ways, bring them together, teach them to play music together well. And in the process of that, they learn to be cooperative, constructive, skilled, compassionate human beings. And that is really what El Sistema is about. So I would say, uh, as Mark said, they're taking a long view. Mark, you wrote last year that in Venezuela, teenagers react to Dudamel the way they used to react to the Beatles screaming and carrying on. Do you think People there want him to speak out. I don't know what people there want. I would assume that anybody who has strong feelings one way or another wants a national hero to speak out on their side. During the Vietnam War, certainly there was a huge desire for the Beatles to take the side against the Vietnam War, as they did, and that was extremely popular with the youth in this country. That's entirely natural. The problem in Venezuela is it's a very, very difficult and divided place. And we're getting, I think, a very simplistic picture of it. Right, Mark. And I think that it's really interesting to look at El Sistema, which is, as you say, representative of the whole country. There are some in El Sistema who are pro-government, some anti-government. And I think it's a real testimony to the El Sistema's strength as an organization for social cohesion that it has stayed together, that it has not broken apart, that, but that it has stayed together and maintained its integrity even across those differences. So do you think it's going to be able to ride out the current political upheaval? It can do that, and it will. And, you know, Abreu has managed this for 39 years through, as Trisha said, every unbelievably different kind of, you know, he founded it on with one government and it thrived under an opposition and back and forth and back and forth. Is there somebody in Venezuela to pick up Abreu's mantle and keep shepherding this? I think he's extremely aware of this and he, he does have things in place and he does have deputies. There is not anybody with the kind of charisma and political know-how. So it's a a Hugo Chavez kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, there is Dudamel as as a great charismatic leader, but I don't see him wanting to take over Abreu's position in that Dudamel is, is a major artist in his own right out there conducting throughout the world. But Abreu has built an enormous, enormous infrastructure throughout that country, and it'd be pretty hard to get rid of it at this point. I mean, you know, the other thing about that Abreu has done, besides build that uh, incredible system within Venezuela, is that he's been so 
charismatic and so inspirational and, had, and such a vis- true visionary that he has inspired el- the growth and spread of El Sistema organizations really throughout the world. So the question of who's going to lead El Sistema is now a very different question than it was when it was simply Venezuela. Now, potential leaders are really evolving in programs around the world. I don't know that any one of them is going to take his place, but he's certainly not ready to cede his place either. He's extremely, he's extremely vital and active in supporting the growth of El Sistema internationally. Thank you both very, very much for joining us. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. This has been Conducting Business. Our guests were L.A. Times classical music critic Mark Swed and Tricia Tunstall, the author of Changing Lives, Gustavo Dudamel, El Sistema, and the Transformative Power of Music. Brian Wise is our producer. Subscribe to Conducting Business on iTunes so you won't miss any episodes. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.